0: Take your Bibles, please, and turn to 1 Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 1. I happen to have a copy of Calvary Baptist Church Adult Choir. It's entitled, Membership Guide. This is 2019-2020, Eunice about that and as I was reading it now Eunice does a great job in sending us links to the various songs that we're singing and our assignment is to go to those links and and apply those things to our minds so that we're ready for choir on Sunday morning and she, she just does a super job with that Eunice I don't often visit those links But I do read the membership thing for choir, all right? Half credit. Okay. (laughs) Did you know that our choir has a motto? Well, let me give it to you. To be early is to be on time. To be on time is to be late. Now, I wondered where that came from. So I went to the all-knowing Google this past week. And I Googled it. And some of you may be aware that that is a Marine motto. The Marine's motto is, to be early is to be on time. To be on time is to be late. Now there is a third line that they add, and that is this. To be late is to be dead. How many times in our lives do we put stuff off? How many times do we understand that we have an assignment to take care of, and yet because it's an uncomfortable assignment, we put it off, and we put it off, and we put it off, and we never get to it? Timothy has been given an assignment, a very uncomfortable assignment. And Paul is reminding Timothy that he needs to fulfill this assignment in his life. Otherwise, he's never going to get to it. Now, we have studied that assignment, and it's not an assignment that I would particularly sign up for, volunteer for, and perhaps not you either, because it's an assignment that deals with difficult people. Paul reminds Timothy in verse 3 of chapter 1, that there are certain persons that teach a different cult a different doctrine that's not easy he reminds them in verse 6 that there are certain people that have wandered from the way and you don't need to turn there but if you were to look over at chapter 4 He identifies as people who have walked away from the faith. Now, I'm telling you, the most difficult thing that I ever do is dealing with people that are no longer willing to live out their lives as born again children of God. We'll talk a little bit about that next week. Stay tuned. But Paul, in helping Timothy understand his assignment, Reminds Timothy of his own testimony, and we studied that last week. And this week, in a verse and a half, we are going to see how Paul encourages Timothy to fulfill that assignment, and I trust that we can take these truths and apply them to our lives. I want to begin with verse 18 this morning. And read down through the first half of verse 19. If you have an ESV Bible, you will notice that there is a period in the middle of verse 19. If you have King James, it does not give a period, all right, that you follow along. This charge I entrust to you, Timothy, my child, in accordance with the prophecies previously made to you, that by them you may wage the good warfare, holding faith and a good conscience. The reality of our lives is that life is a battle. Life is tough. Life is just the stuff of life. I had a tough morning this morning. It was my own doing, but it was a tough morning. I'm kind of anal about the way the handicap signs are placed in our parking lot. And as I drove in this morning, I noticed that they weren't right where I thought they should be. So I'm walking to the building to get in, and I decide I'll rearrange them, which is no big deal, really, except in my rearrangement, the folder that I was carrying dropped, and it went like this. And my pages went all over the parking lot. Okay. I walked into the building, took my coat off, and I had brought in a 12 pack of Diet Coke. Now this is important for you to understand. Because as I'm arranging the Diet Coke on the top of one of my file cabinets, one of the cans slipped off the file cabinet and went, Pff! the bottom of my feet are still wet. I did have Connie bring me another suit and if you look in my office there's another suit she decided that um, the spots on the trousers weren't bad enough to change. I knew that that decision was above my pay grade that's why I asked Connie. (laughs) But life is tough folks and I don't care if it's folders that are opening and papers that are going off or whether it's a pop can that slips off a file cabinet and go poof. Life's tough. And there are things in our lives that we have to deal with on a daily basis that just make life difficult. Paul is reminding Timothy that he can get through life. And in verse 18 he begins by saying this charge, this assignment, this living out your relationship with God through Jesus Christ is an assignment that I entrust to you. Now the word entrust there has the idea of something that is put on deposit. If you have a bank account you have entrusted your financial institution With that which you hold in your accounts. If you have a financial advisor you trust them with the management of some accounts. And Paul wants to remind Timothy that the assignment that he has been given specific to Timothy, and we'll talk about some of the things that we struggle with today, is an assignment based on what God has entrusted us with. You know, God has invested in each of our lives. I want you to think about what God has invested in your life. What he has entrusted to you. And how his faithfulness has been evidenced in so many ways throughout your life. That's why we can begin our service with, God is good. And all the time. It's true, isn't it? And even though life sometimes is tough, God has entrusted to us the wonder of who He is so that we can be successful in accomplishing what He's called us to. This morning, I want to give you four truths that will help you be successful in the battle of life. Truth number one, God is God. That's a simple truth. But it's a truth that you and I need to be reminded of quite often because God gave me a good forgetter. How about you? It's not that I don't remember things, it's that God gave me a good forgetter. And the older I get, the more it works, and the better it works. And the more effective it is. But I must be careful that I never forget that our God is good. Now Paul's charge to Timothy is based on that. You say, where do you see that in the text? May I back you up to verse 17? To the king of the ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. I charge you, Timothy, that God's given you some great gifts. God is God. And although I believe that verse 17 is, is applying specifically to Jesus Christ out of verse 16, but it still gives to us the understanding that God is God. I also want you to see that Timothy has always been charged because of God's assignment in his life. Jump over to chapter 5, will you please? Chapter 5, verse 21. Paul writes, In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus and of the elect angels, that's pretty good company, isn't it? In their presence, I charge you, to keep these rules without prejudging, doing nothing from partiality. Look with me at verse 13 of chapter 6. I charge you in the presence of God who gives life to all things and of Christ Jesus who is his testimony before Pontius Pilate, make good the confession to keep the commandment unstained. And that great God is God. Will you say it with me Please. God is God. One more time. God is God. The next time you're struggling in life, the next time you're facing one of those mornings, the next time the pop can falls off the filing cabinet and goes, Oh, it'll happen. I hate to confess that's not the first time it's happened to me. May I encourage you to remind yourself that God's still God. And may I encourage you to remind yourself that as God, He took notice of that frustration in your life. I'm glad when that happened this morning, none of you were around. And I am not going to confess to you what my first reaction was. It was not to say, praise the Lord. But God is God." Amen? Let me give you the second truth. The second truth is this, God is faithful. Say that with me, will you please? God is faithful. Now back to our text, 1 Timothy chapter 1. Paul reminds Timothy, of the prophecies previous made about him. Now, as you study that, you recognize that Timothy had quite a reputation. When Paul first discovered him, he discovered him because the brethren of his ministry were giving to him high marks. Those around Timothy had noticed that God was using him in a very special way. We won't take the time, but we could go to 2 Timothy chapter 1. And Paul there reminds Timothy to stir up the gift that God had given to him. That he had had as he had trusted Christ his personal. You know, we are all gifted people this morning. And whatever gift God has given to you. He's given to you because of his faithfulness in your life. And he's not partial. He doesn't play favorites because he knows exactly who you are and exactly what gift you need and exactly how you can use that for his honor and his glory. Timothy had spent time with Silas. Timothy had demonstrated his sincere faith and the best way for you and I to move forward is to recognize God's faithfulness and to understand that God has trained us God has taught us for such a time as this you see success in life and I've used this phrase before is not not hand up problems we all got them. success in life is biblically responding to the problems you have And how do we know how to respond? We respond because God is faithful. Say that with me, will you please? God is faithful. And there's another identity in that verse that I want you to pick out. Paul says, Timothy, my child. Isn't it great to be a child of God? All of the blessings and benefits we have of being God's children Heirs and joint heirs of Jesus Christ. God has given to us so much. We can cast our care upon him because he cares for us. Because we're his children. We can be confident that he does all things well. Because we are his kids. We have great understanding that our heavenly father knows what we have need of. Before we even ask. Isn't it cool to have a dad like that? And as his children, there is nothing that will separate us from his love. You know, there's something about parenting. It ain't easy. But I'll tell you this. As a parent, you always have your kid's best interest at heart. May I then make that application about God, the Father? Can you imagine how easy it is for God to parent you and me? (laughs) But I have great confidence that He always has my best interest at heart because He's faithful. And He does not change. And His mercy is new every morning. And I can depend upon him no matter what's going on in my life. Paul wrote to the church at Philippi that God was so faithful that he was able to complete the good work that had begun in them. You know, no matter what, God will complete his good work that he has begun here at Calvary Baptist Church. And God will complete his good work because we are his children. If you want an encouragement, go to Romans chapter 8 this afternoon and read that whole chapter. But there it talks about how we have been adopted. And how we can cry, Abba, Father. And because of that, we know that all things work together for good. So that we might be conformed to the character of Jesus Christ. God, as my Heavenly Father, has my best interest in mind. And I like to say it His interest is for my good, but His glory. God is faithful. Let me give you truth number three the fight is worth the effort. Notice here in verse 18 that Paul talks about Timothy waging the good fight. Now, when I was a kid, there was a rule at our house that I was not to get in fights. Now, you would never think that with my personality and my humility and my submission that there would ever be any danger of that. I don't know if you heard that or not, but somebody said, wrong-o. <laughs> I'll long remember, and I use that phrase because I sure would like to forget this one. Ridge Elementary Playground, Bowling Green, Ohio, Gene. He did something, I did something, but we clashed. And we were rolling around on the ground just having a great old time. And out of nowhere, my dad showed up. Made me think dad was uh, omnipresent. I don't know how he got there. I don't know if we'd been rolling around that long and somebody called the cops, I mean my dad. But dad let me know that that which we were fighting about really didn't matter much and it didn't and i don't even remember what it was about most fights are like that after they're over but paul tells timothy there's a good fight here in fact in second timothy paul's going to say i fought a good fight there's something that's worth fighting for. And Paul reminds Timothy that the fight is worth the effort when you're fighting for the right things. Winston Churchill over the Battle of Britain said this, victory at all costs. I can't say it the way he said it. Victory at all costs. Not even close either. Victory in spite of all terror. Victory however long and hard the hard may be. For without victory there is no survival. Let me tell you something. Unless we're willing to fight the good fight, we won't survive. Do you remember what I started with? To be early is to be on time. To be on time is to be late. To be late is to be dead. And I'm afraid sometimes we as children of God come late to the fight because we just haven't wanted to get involved. Now, Timothy's fight was against doctrine. That's a fight work fight. And as Paul reminded Timothy of that fight, he says, Timothy, it's a good fight. Now, you and I may not be involved in doctrinal battles, although our culture would take us down some pretty unbiblical paths. But may I just very quickly remind you of three arenas where we do fight? And you're going to have to work your way through some Bible here, and we're going to turn to these passages very quickly this morning. But these are arenas where each of us struggle. The first arena we'll discover in 1 John. Turn there, please. 1 John chapter 2. And it's the arena of the world You're familiar with this passage of Scripture. 1 John 2, let me begin with verse 15. Do not love the world, or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, and the desires of the eyes, pride of life, is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. You know this old world is temporary. I want you to think about that. This world is simply a passing thing. But look with me at the last phrase of verse 17. But whoever does the will of the Father abides forever. It's a fight, folks. And the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is a battle every day in our culture, in our homes, in our workplaces. You're going to fight that battle. It's worth it to fight the battle. There's a second arena. Turn to Romans chapter 7, will you please? Romans chapter 7. And that's the arena of my flesh your flesh let me begin with verse 14 and I'm just gonna read listen to what God's Word says for we know that the law is spiritual but I am of the flesh sold under sin for I do not understand my own actions for I do not do what I want but I do the very thing I hate Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So then it is no longer I who do it, but sin who dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. But I see my members, see in my members another law raging, waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am. Who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. Let me tell you something. If Paul struggled with that, no wonder you and I do. It's an arena. It's a battle. It's tough. But aren't you thankful that God, through Jesus Christ, Helps us win the battle. One more. Ephesians chapter 6. You're familiar with this. Ephesians chapter 6. Verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil and heavenly places. Therefore, take unto you the whole armor of God. And Paul identifies it. Belt of truth, breastplate of righteousness, shoes with the readiness, the gospel of peace, shield of faith, sword of the spirit, helmet of salvation. Satan is alive and well on planet Earth. Hal Lindsay wrote that book a number of years ago. It's still true. It's a battle. And the reality is, and we won't go there, but in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, Satan disguises himself <laughs> as an angel of light, the Scripture says, and even his ministers are disguised as ministers of righteousness, almost. We read about the schemes that don't, don't get taken in. The battle is worth the effort. Keep fighting. Now, why do we keep fighting? Let me very quickly give you three reasons Number one, it's what God designed us to do. 1 John tells us that he that is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. It's what we were designed to do. It's our destiny. Paul said, I fought a good fight. Henceforth is is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord to righteousness God will give me. And not to me only, but all all that love is. You, You want Jesus to come back? If you love His appearing, if you're looking for His appearing, you can get that crown. And lastly, God wants us to discipline our lives. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, Paul says, I bring my body and I bring it unto subjection, lest when I preached to others, I get disqualified. I've known more pastors who have been disqualified from the ministry because they failed to fight the fight. And even pastors have to battle it. the battle the fight is worth the effort one more please back to first timothy chapter 1 paul writes to timothy the end of verse 18 that you may wage the good warfare holding faith and a good conscience faith and a good conscience will help us win the battle. Jude said that we should earnestly contend for the faith that was once delivered unto the saints. And as you study Scripture, you discover what the faith is all about. The faith is about our salvation, for by grace we've been saved through faith. The faith is all about our separation as we recognize that we are not of this world and that it is a struggle. The faith is about the Scriptures. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Faith is about our service and our stewardship. And even our speech is part of our faith. Faith. Confidence in who God is and what He wants us to do helps us win the battle. And then Paul says... Timothy, you'll win the battle not only through faith, but through a good conscience. There have been times in my life I couldn't live with myself. You know how hard that is. I mean, think about it. If you can't live with yourself, how hard is that? And yet, God has given to me His Spirit to indwell my spirit and to encourage and minister to me and to help me know who he is and what he wants me to do. And because of that, you and I can lay our heads on the pillow at night and go to sleep. That's a good conscience. I am so thankful that God has given to us the person of the Holy Spirit to indwell us, aren't you? Now the challenge is that you and I do not grieve Him or quench Him in our lives. If you want an illustration of someone who did that all you have to do is look at Pharaoh how he kept hardening his heart as Moses gave him God's truth time and time and time and time and time and time and time did I get to ten yet because there were ten times and yet the scripture says that his heart was hard don't don't harden your heart Be sensitive to what God wants to do in your life. God is God. Amen? God is faithful. Amen? The battle is worth the effort. Yeah. And we can win because of faith and a good conscience.